0: Hello and welcome to the bicycle mechanics podcast today is podcast episode number 10 a little bit of a landmark uh, we made it to 10 see if we can keep it going after this so as usual if you have any comments about the show you can always email me at the bicycle at gmail.com or check us out on instagram the bicycle mechanics podcast so today we have a couple of uh, topics that we're gonna talk about, um, or that I'm gonna talk about. I'm Gonna do uh, something a little bit different. We're gonna do some, uh, I have some funny stuff, uh, funny stories just from work in retail uh, in the bicycle industry and kind of outdoor industry. And then I wrote a little piece on um, something that most bicycle mechanics do at some point in their career, and that would be bicycle commuting. So we'll kind of start off here with some funny stuff from a retail environment. So so while we are bicycle mechanics, uh, we can't escape the fact that we work retail. Uh, well, most of us, uh, unless you're in a repair only business, uh, which are, there aren't too many of those around, but they do exist. Um, uh, even repair only uh, involves some retail when it involves uh, bicycle parts for replacement and such. So, um, also as a as a team mechanic um, a team mechanic you're not a retailer obviously, but if you do it for a while uh, Chances are that at some point uh, in between jobs or after you're done traveling on the road. You will work in a retail environment so So I've worked uh, for a shop that also uh, sold outdoor gear and um, so if you think standalone uh, bike shops, standalone only shops have uh, the market cornered on crazy, strange, funny, maddening customer interactions, uh, let me tell you that that's not the case. Um, as mechanics and as people, we have our good days and our bad days. So so may I be the first to say, don't be so hard on yourself. Um, I know I've been a, a victim of that myself. Um, so there's that so uh on a good day uh once while selling an older couple um a couple bikes um apparently i told them that we would install accessories on the spot if they purchased them uh, from our store in the future Um, and this was one of those days i was having a good day so fast forward about two to possibly three weeks later uh, now on this day, um, I'm not in a good mood. Um, don't remember why. Uh, maybe too many days in a row of work, maybe too much work, uh, maybe a bad day at home before work. I don't really remember. But anyway, I, I see a co-worker helping uh, someone at the counter, and he's this guy, he's got his bike with him, and there's some pedals and a mirror and a cyclometer on the counter. Um, the co-worker helping this, this guy says, uh, can you help this, this, this customer? I've got someone else uh, needing help over there pointing to another customer in the bike shoe area, of course, probably for a spin class, right? Um, So this customer says, I just bought all this stuff. Can you install it now? And, you know, me not having a good day, having a bad day. I say, who told you uh, we could install it all on the spot? So this, this guy looks me straight in the eye and says, uh, you did. Then I remember him and proceed to bring his bike into the shop and do the work uh, while secretly cursing uh, the two to three week younger, uh, happier version of myself. So it's a kind of a reminder that sometimes you got to just, just laugh at yourself um, and even laugh at other people sometimes um it can help take the seriousness out of your day and take it down a couple a couple notches um my friend Wayne Culpepper who in many ways was one of the one of my mentors and always had uh, great stories about his days as a bike tech um i've mentioned Wayne before on the show uh, we met at the bicycle re in half moon bay and we quickly became friends um he always had jokes to tell uh, most of which i won't repeat on this show Uh, We we would often get in trouble for laughing too much and too loudly Um, One story from Wayne goes like this Uh, so a customer comes in and buys some tubular a tubular wheel set um, and some tubular tires So he doesn't want to pay the extra to have the shop glue the tubulars on Um, uh, A little side note um, Kind of, doesn't this happen all the time in bike shops? Um, The customer doesn't want to pay extra to get something done the right way. Um, And who, you know, doesn't want to pay someone who does it for a living to do it the right way. So this guy buys some tubular glue and leaves the shop. I'm sure he was thinking, how hard could it be? Now to give you a little better visual of this story, this guy um, apparently was pretty hairy. um, Had hairy forearms, he also had a beard. um, And I think the tires, I believe they were Continentals. Um, If you've ever glued on a Continental, that would give you some kind of indication as to how hard this might be for this guy. So a few hours later he returns to the shop and apparently he's got tubular glue all over his hands, uh, his forearm hair, uh, and even apparently even some in his beard. Um, so this guy, he says, uh, quite angrily, he says, I'd like to shake hands with the son of a bitch who can glue these tires on. Um, <laughs> needless to say, he, he did pay in the end to have, uh, the shop glue on the tires. Um, So uh, another good story from Wayne goes goes like this Um, customer buys two bikes uh, and a trunk rack Um, the shop would install the rack for a fee Um, sorry no free labor Um, i know some shops would would do this for free but um, it can be a slippery slope Uh, once uh, you do it once then what's free next time Um, shops have to optimize uh, staff time when they can and shops are there to make money so so once again uh, the customer doesn't want to pay to pay for the install so he does it himself Um, and of course he installs it too low and on the way out of the parking lot the bike slam onto the ground so hard that a few of the wheels are damaged Um, uh, the customer later returns to have the wheels trued Um, which he paid for, and pay to have the rack installed correctly. Um, So while these stories are funny to us, uh, the underlying problem is that we all deal with, uh, as bicycle mechanics and bike shop owners, is that often our time and skills are not appreciated by enough of our customers um, and sometimes even some bosses. So uh, Kind of leave you with this thought: um, you you can't really have a good bicycle shop without a few good bicycle mechanics, and that's where you fit in. So those stories are just kind of like the tip of the iceberg for for most of us who work in shops. We all have our our interesting and funny, and maybe not so funny, sad stories about um, uh, crazy customers um, or uh, just kind of. Um, along the lines of some of those things where the customers just don't want to pay, um, to have it done the right way. So I encourage you if you have any stories that you would like for me to mention on the show or, um, anything like that, you can always email uh, us at the bicycle mechanics podcast at gmail.com. Um, and we can share some more of those stories cause there's lots of them out there. Some of them are really funny. Um, some of them maybe not so much. Um, but so we'll move on here to, um, I kind of uh, wrote a little piece here about uh, bicycle commuting because as bicycle mechanics, a lot of us will commute by bicycle or we will deal with people who commute by bicycle. It's a different kind of uh, customer. Um, sometimes a pain in the butt. Uh, oftentimes though, as a bicycle mechanic, I have a lot of respect for people who decide to commute whether to school or work by bicycle. Um, there's lots of different kinds of uh, bicycles for bicycle commuting that we see in our shops. And I wrote down just a few. Um, uh, one of them would be the heavy pannier setup, um, which is a little bit outdated nowadays, but you still see it out there. Um, the, what we like to call neutered mountain bike, which is a kind of a nice mountain bike that has now has slicks on it, um, kind of a classic one. Uh, the road bike commuter, the gravel uh, cycle cross bike commuter who doesn't ride gravel or cycle cross. Um, the beater bike commuter, kind of one of my favorites. Um, used to have a customer at one of the shops I worked at that would pretty much come in every Friday for me to try to keep his bike together. The thing was such a nightmare. Um, I know the guy didn't have much money. And he would pay when he would come in, uh, the labor to have things fixed and we would often just fix things as they would break. He had things like some fenders on it that were kind of barely on there, but I learned pretty quick not to mess with them because if I did, it kind of opened a whole can of worms. It was kind of one of those bikes. So, um, so that's, that was kind of a, a, a fun uh, way for me to learn about working on, on, on commuter bikes that are kind of ridden daily, but then just forgotten. So bi- bicycle commuting is, is one of those most, is one of the most utilitarian things you can do with your bike. Um, the, the joy of riding uh, to the store or to work uh, and smelling burnt car brake smell and knowing that it's not your car is kind of priceless. Um, also, everyone who's been a bicycle mechanic has at some point, like I said, ridden their bike to work. Um, so my first bicycle commute was to a restaurant which was about four miles from my home, um, when I was, uh, I believe 15 years old. So, and the bike that I had, it was a mountain bike. It was called a Forenze. Um, anyone who is from the Bay area or knows about it, uh, knows that I got this, uh, this bike cause I got, I bought a stereo, um, and they gave away bikes if you bought a stereo. So yeah, I'd bought a stereo. The, the bike was worth about 20 bucks. Um, and it rode like it too. Uh, <laughs> one time I was riding to work on the Forenze and a friend from high school passed me on the highway, um, on highway one uh, with a surfboard under one arm. And uh, he said, hi, and then I said, hi, and then he kept going and I, he was on a 10 speed. I was like, wow, that's, that's kind of cool. So the, the Forenze served its purpose. Um, it got me to and from the restaurant um, before I could drive. Uh, Later in life, when I I worked at a bike shop uh, and a restaurant, my commuting experience changed. Um, I lived about eight miles uh, from the restaurant and about 15 miles from the bike shop. This this wouldn't be so bad, but uh, I didn't at the time own a vehicle. Um, My ride to the restaurant was on Old Highway 1, um, which was and still is about a half to a three quarters of a mile inland from today's uh, Highway 1. Uh, and I did it on my, uh, my mountain bike, my Mongoose Eibach International Bicycle of Champions. Steel mountain bike with a steel fork um, with those Scott, like Greg LeMond handlebars that curved up like bar ends. Um, toe clips and straps, Shimano uh, Mountain LX Group. Um, this was a, a pretty cool bike for the, for the day and age. Um, I remember after doing this commute for about six months, uh, one of my roommates, who also worked uh, at the Chart House restaurant, um, thought he'd try commuting to work uh, with me. He said it seemed like it would be fun and kind of easy. Um, so I, I showed him the way. Um, there, one of the, one, on the way home, um, there was a, a huge poison oak bush. Uh, right next to the trail uh, in one spot. And I always had to kind of make sure that I avoided that. But uh, just as I was uh, pointing it out uh, to my housemate and telling him to avoid it, um, I fell right into it. I got poison oak all over the right side of my face and arm. Uh, It was pretty funny. He laughed at me, and I kind of laughed too, but a little embarrassed. But um, so back then, uh, the lights we used were terrible. Um, it was like, I think the lights I had, had two C batteries that lost, um, that, that kind of started draining down about an hour after they'd, um, they'd been put in the light would kind of start to dim pretty quickly. Um, I'd often use two to three, uh, just to be able to see a little bit better. In those early days of commuting by bicycle, I learned a lot, um, about my bike and uh, all the equipment I was using, I I crashed a few times, uh, a couple bloody knee rides home, um, fix a flat at night uh, with little or or no light. Um, So one night I was coming down the hill on the old Highway 1, um, coming down the hill and there were four teenagers laying in the middle of the trail, kind of stargazing. saw him kind of from a distance and then one, one of the girls saw my light and she must've thought I was an alien or something. She started screaming hysterically until her boyfriend yelled at her. Um, it's okay. It's just a guy on a bike. Um, after, after a few years, I moved, I moved closer to work. So I was one mile from the restaurant and about eight from the bike shop. Um, but before I'd, I'd moved, uh, those were some great commute miles, mountain biking on a trail, uh, next to the Pacific ocean, um, was pretty special uh, even if it was cold and rainy um, so kind of fast forward uh, several years and after working as a race team mechanic in Colorado and Santa Barbara I was back in the Bay Area uh, living in El Granada uh, just a little bit north of of Half Moon Bay where I went to high school uh, on the California coast and working at Wheelsmith bike shop in Palo Alto um, i'd ditched the panniers and mountain bike uh, for a titanium light speed with a messenger bag Um, a new era of bicycle commuting had started for me i was definitely faster and quite a bit wiser my new commute bike was way faster from here on out it was a road bike for commuting 700 by 23 tires uh, with liners to protect from flats um lights were way better as well. I I had moved on from the cat eye uh 2C battery lights to a night rider uh, water bottle size battery um with a much more powerful light that was rechargeable and and really pretty light um uh and it was really good at lighting the way for kind of higher speeds um on the road bike. Uh my days commuting by bike to WheelSmith were fun. um I had to ride from the beach over the coast range down into Palo Alto, um, riding right past Stanford University before I'd get to the shop. Um, I remember um, by uh, fog to sun and back commute. <laughs> That's kind of how I remember it. Only, only did this route for about 10 months um, until I went back to my old original bike shop, uh, the bicycle in Half Moon Bay for about a year before I went on the road again to uh, work for the Saturn cycling team. Um, two seasons with Saturn back on the road, or as my friend Dave Pitts would say, uh, back on the gravy train, getting that, uh, getting fat, eating sushi, like in the Houston Sushi Fest, uh, drinking beer, uh, lots of it, and not bike commuting or even bicycle riding. Um, so I'm five foot six and a healthy weight for me is about 150 pounds, um, ideally less than 150. Um, by the time I ended my two year stint with Saturn, I was kind of fat. I, I remember going to a, a comedy show in San Francisco with my good friend Eric Nelson, who talked about before, kind of came with me uh, when I moved to Colorado Springs um, years before this. Um, and I... I realized that my, my pants seemed kind of tight around the waist. Um, I was like, "Oh, that's kind of weird. So I weighed myself when I got home and I weighed 172 pounds and yeah, I was, uh, I was fat. I was chubby. So my next commuting by bike chapter was by far the best. Um, I moved back, back, uh, to the coast, Pacifica, um, and got a job at a bike shop in Corte Madera in Marin County. Um, if I rode, rode the whole way from home to work, it would be about a 26 mile ride each way. Um, I only did this a few times, it's a bit much. A 52 mile ride wasn't uh, that bad, it's the eight hours of work in between that make it tough. Uh, so, so I kind of settled with driving um, anywhere between uh, 10 to 15 miles with my bike in my truck and then riding the rest of the way. Um, This commute was really special because I got to ride over the Golden Gate Bridge early in the morning sometimes, depending on my shift start time. Uh, The best part was the ride home on evenings when I'd work late, leaving the shop around 9 p.m. and hitting the bridge at about 9.30 um, with the city of San Francisco lit up at night and no one else on the bridge, no pedestrians. Um, Of course, it was still open to automobiles, I'm just talking about the the, um, foot traffic and bicycle traffic kind of sidewalks on the side. So for anyone who hasn't ridden across the Golden Gate Bridge or walked across it, the deal with the Golden Gate Bridge is that it's got a pedestrian and bicycle path on each side. Uh, The side on the bay side of the bridge, bridge opens early in the morning to pedestrians and bicycles. Um, then the Oceanside path opens from, I think, about 3.30 to 6 for bicycles only. Um, I think the hours might be longer on the weekends. But um, the best part is that the, the Bayside closes to pedestrians after dark, uh, but is accessible to bicycles 24-7. So as a cyclist, you can just stop at the closed gate and hit the buzzer. Uh, Then a person nearby, probably uh, near the toll booth area, can look on the camera and see it's a cyclist. And then they open the gate remotely and close it behind you. Um, When you reach the other side, uh, you press a button again and the same person opens the gate for you and closes it behind you, lets you exit the bridge. Uh, During my years of commuting over the Golden Gate Bridge, um, once the person opened the gate as I approached and closed it behind me, then opened on open it on the other side as I approached. I didn't even need to slow down. Then close it behind and then they closed it behind me. It was pretty awesome, but that was not always the case. So the other end of the spectrum was on one evening I got to the bridge on the Marin side and pushed the button and the gate didn't open. So I waited because sometimes the person in is in the bathroom or whatever and they'll usually open it within a minute or two. But not this time. I pushed the button a couple more times, but nothing. Uh, finally, a, a fellow cyclist approached from on the bridge. Uh, he stopped and pushed the button, but again, no response. Uh, we weren't sure what to do. After about 10 minutes, we decided that we would hand our bikes over the fence to each other, and then we'd each climb over the fence to our respective bikes. So. We executed this and just as we finished, a guy yelled at us over the intercom, don't climb over the fence, ring the buzzer. So the, the fellow cyclist and I, we both laughed and at, at the same time said, we have been ringing the buzzer. With that, we said goodbye and continued on our respective commutes. Some days on this commute, I'd need to be to work really early and be ready to go at work by 7 a.m. So I would need to be at work by 6.45 uh, in order to shower and get ready. I'd often be riding in the dark um, in the winter months, like kind of like middle of the night type of dark. Um, one of these mornings I was trying, trying out a new bike. Um, I had just bought a, uh, a K2 Enemy uh, cyclocross bike. Uh, it was an okay bike, aluminum frame and fork, um, pretty stiff for even for C- for cyclocross. Um, uh, but for the road, it was fine for the day. Um, I had put some Mavic, uh, helium wheels with tubular tires on it, um, that I had, had gotten from the Saturn team. Um, these were super light and super fast wheels for the day. Um, so I was on this bike and I was hauling through Sausalito in the dark. Um, with some bright lights front and rear with headphones on, uh, pretty sure I was rocking out to some heavy metal, probably, uh, I think it was Metallica. Um, and I'm kind of hauling, going pretty fast. And suddenly I see a cop, um, outside the side, out- outside of his car standing, uh, next to the street, um, where I'm riding right past an intersection, which by the way, had a red light, but no other cars were in sight. Um, I passed him close enough. As I ran the red light, I could see his face and his lips were moving. But all I could hear was the Metallica that I was listening to. Ride the lightning. um, Not any of that, any of that new stuff um, from Metallica. It seemed like the cop was saying you're trapped under ice. As I passed him at about 30 miles an hour, slight downhill, tailwind, mind you, I'm not really that fast, um, I realized I might be in some trouble uh, with Johnny Law. As I look back, he was running to his patrol car. Oh, shoot. He caught up to me right after the bike path uh, starts, where the road and path are separated by a chain-link fence. Um we both stopped. Um, he, he yelled at me from inside his car through the open passenger door window. Um, by now I had removed my earbuds and hidden them in my Jersey cause it's illegal to listen to them while you're riding. Um, in so many words, he stated that he could arrest me, but he wasn't going to. Um, but what I did was very dangerous. Um, I apologized um, and we went our separate ways it was the closest call for sure uh, with an officer of the law and my bicycle um, the the shop I worked at uh, did ski work as well and I remember once I had to borrow a mounting jig from another retailer to mount some ski bindings um, that we didn't have this particular jig for um, so I I borrowed it on the peninsula and needed to, to get it to work, um, to use it before, um, but I was riding to work. So I put it in my messenger bag. So it, it fit in my messenger bag, but barely. Um, sort of an awkward thing, um, these, these ski jigs. Um, so it was early morning again, same commute, um, but this time I'm about a mile from work. And I'm flying downhill at about 30 miles an hour on a straightaway, and a large pickup truck pulls right out in front of me. I look up, uh, I locked up the brakes and slid sideways and slam into the side of the truck that by now has finally seen me and stopped. So I bounce off the truck to the ground, um, lucky just a cut on the elbow and knee, no broken bones, thankfully. Uh, So I get up and I... I meet the driver who is freaked out and apologetic. He, his windows were fogged up, and he was trying to get his kid to school. Um, he asked if I needed an ambulance, and I, w- I said yes at first, but then I realized I was, I was mostly okay. So I got up and rode to work. Um, the, the jig was bent in a way that actually twisted, but it was still functional. Um, I was sore for about three to four days. Um, the next day I could barely get out of bed. Um, but thankfully most commutes by bike are not as eventful as these examples, thankfully. So that's my kind of story of my experiences, bicycle commuting, not all of them, but some of the, the best uh, memories. So once again, if you do have anything you'd like to share, you want me to talk about, um, as far as bicycle commuting, don't forget that email address, the bicycle mechanics podcast at gmail.com. And that's going to be our show for podcast number 10. So I think uh, our next show in a couple weeks, I am going to tell you a little story about working the tour of China in 1995 and 1996. And we will um, talk to a few more fellow mechanics and find out how they became bicycle mechanics. Um, Until then, thanks for listening.